The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Okay, so we're going to start tonight, and as you're eating, we're going to be talking about the importance of understanding each other's desires, because believe it or not, our spouses can't read our mind, and oftentimes, they don't know exactly what we want or what we like unless we communicate it to them and tell them. It would be great if John would just know instantly, this is what I need, this is what I want at all times. But that's not reality. The reality is we need to communicate those desires. And we cannot assume that those desires are the same. And I can't assume that I know my partner's desires. Oops, something just died. (laughs) I think the power went out. Yeah, it sure felt. Okay. Oh, it's back now. Okay. Okay. What do you say? I said, I can't assume (laughs) that I know what your desires are, and I can't assume that you know what my desires are. Now, without opening up your books, I want you to tell your husband or wife their top three desires from last week to see if you have remembered correctly. And if you weren't here last week, that's okay. We want you to see if you can remember what were the top three desires. And if you weren't here, then see if they can identify what they think are your top three desires. We're going to give you two minutes to do that. You may start. Go. All right. Hopefully that was a success. You probably already know that communication or bad communication can get you in a lot of trouble and cause a lot of problems in life in general, uh, especially in relationships and in marriage. I I read this 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 past week. I wanted to share with you. This was a conversation between a woman and her husband. She called him on his cell phone. And uh, so he says, hello. And she says, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? He says, yes. And she says, great. I'm uh, just a few blocks from where you are. And I saw a beautiful mink coat at the mall. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'd like to buy it. So he says, well, what's the price? And she says, well, it's only $1,500. He says, well, okay, go ahead and get it if you like it that much. And she said, okay, honey, thank you so much. And I just also wanted to quickly mention that as I was driving by the Mercedes dealership, they just came out with their new 2014 models. And I just absolutely fell in love with one of the cars there. And I want to know if we can trade in the BMW. I know it's only a year old. And get a brand new Mercedes. He said, well, what price did they quote you? And she said, it was only $85,000. He says, okay, that sounds like a reasonable price. Go ahead and buy the car. She said, great, that's awesome. But there's just one more thing I want to mention. It just so happens that our realtor called today and said that they have found the perfect mansion for us that we've been looking for, and I really like it. It's on sale. And remember, we have the money. We already talked about it. It's got a pool, English garden, great, beautiful park, beachfront property. It's everything we were asking for and looking for. He said, what are they asking? He says, only $4 million. And so she says, okay, or he says, okay, 
that's, that's a good price, that's in our budget, go ahead and sign the papers. She says, okay, thanks, sweetie, I'm so happy that you let me buy these purchases, I love you so much, I'll talk to you later. He says, goodbye, pumpkin, and hangs up. After he hangs up, he closes the phone and raises his hand in the group that he's with and says, does anyone know who this phone belongs to? Now, my experience, and probably yours, has been that communication is a challenge. Where in the world do you go and learn how to be interesting in conversation? Have you had a class on that? Have any of you been to a course on how to have a conversation with somebody and be interesting? Or how to have a conversation and share your deepest, most intimate thoughts and feelings? Or how about just communication in general? Maybe you took a communication course in college, but it was probably not geared for marriage. So where do you learn this stuff? Do you just suffer through life trying to figure out how to communicate? And it's especially painful... Uh, this, it's usually how I've, I found it to work out is something like this. The husband or the wife has something deeply personal, deeply private, something is carried with great emotion that they want to communicate with their spouse. But they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to say it. They don't know how to bring it up. They don't know how to let that out of the bag, so to speak. And so they don't. They keep it to themselves. They stuff it way deep down inside. And because of that, they slowly, slowly, slowly drift apart. And then after years later, they find out they don't even know this person anymore. And I don't even know if I love them or I want to be with them. So communication is so critical to a healthy marriage. The, the, the guru of uh, business, Stephen Covey, said that um, uh, the top weakness of any organization is communication. And that's certainly true. And so it's so important tonight that we have this talk about communication. And, and at some point in the evening, Joy and I are going to model for you how to communicate and have a um, meaningful communication. Now, we saw in the last session last week that we come into marriage with many differences. One difference is the different ways our families communicated when we were growing up. Now, both John and I grew up in families that communicated very poorly. In my family, there was a lot of screaming and shouting. And so it was a common thing to have my sister and my mother in the front of the house, in the yard, screaming at each other. I was mortified, but that was a very common thing. And if it wasn't outside, it was on the inside, and it was even more so on the inside. And every word that you could imagine was flying back and forth. And so mine was a very verbally... um, abusive type fighting situation. Yes, it was very loud and angry. And then you have John's family, (laughs) and 
they don't communicate at all. Nothing. Nada. I found out yesterday my sister had, um, what was it? She had surgery. She had uh, gallbladder surgery two weeks ago. Didn't bother telling me about it. I mean, she could have died. I wouldn't have known about it. And our nephew got married six months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, oh, and she also, yeah. Oh, we by the way. We just found out yeah, yesterday on Facebook. Your nephew got married. So they do not communicate at all. Now, all of us have a longing deep inside to be known by another person, to be heard and understood. And that makes communication so important. But as you know, good communication is not automatic in marriage. Now, two people can be living in the same house, sleeping in the same bed, yet if they don't communicate, it can be like strangers with each other. It's only when another person understands us that they are really with us. So communication draws us together at an emotional level. It empowers us to communicate. And when we do, when we connect like that on a deep, intimate level, that that one-to-one connection where you just know that person knows you and knows your feelings and know how you feel, and you connect with each other, it's powerful and it's wonderful. And it, um, I believe it, it, it meets one of our deepest needs that we have in life. So let's break this down. Communication always includes three parts. Uh, first is the message, which is sort of obvious, isn't it? Um, most people have something to say. Second, it's the person sending the message, the person doing the talking and the third part is the person listening. So communication has three parts. Think of it like a radio signal. So to, to, to be able to hear a radio program, you have to have those three things at work. You have to have the program, which is the, just what you're talking about, whatever the show is. You have to have the transmitter, which transmits the program. It's like Cairo. Cairo's the transmitter. And then you have the receiver, which is you listening to the radio show. So those three things are involved in communication, and those are three skills you have to learn. You have to learn how to do all three to have a great relationship and great communication. Now, you can have two of those parts, and you'll have communication, but it may not be good. It may not be exciting. It may not be thrilling fulfilling, satisfying. So you may get across, uh, I've got to go to work tomorrow at 7, but okay, so that's good for information purposes, but that's not really sexy. So communication, great communication, has these three components. Now, if you ever stop to think about what you actually talk about, you ever thought about what you talk about in your relationship? Um, If you're like Joy and I, a lot of our conversations are about the day-to-day stuff. And we have four boys, and we're both working full-time. And so it takes a lot of coordination just to get everything right, especially with um, uh, two, four drivers in the house. Our, our house is like our own car dealership. But um, it takes a lot of coordination, and a lot of our communication is just about doing that. But the stuff that is important, the stuff that goes really deep, the deepest feelings of your life, is that stuff being communicated or is it being left out? That's why our date night is so important to us because it gives us that one time a week, we just had it right over there today, uh, a chance to be able to talk about our feelings, 
how we are in doing in this life, how we feel about each other and talk about our relationship. No kids, no distractions. You need that quality time and you've got to schedule it to be able to have that on a deeper level. I know for myself that I feel, I, I, I only feel really connected to joy when we have those deep emotional conversations. I mean, I, I enjoy being around her, being with her, I love her. But I feel that connection when we have those deep talks. Now, if you're like me, then talking about all of your feelings doesn't come naturally to you. Right? It's not an automatic for you. Uh, maybe, maybe that's true for the guys in the room. So this could happen for you know, a number of reasons why this takes place. One, I think God has made us male and female different. And for some reason, he gave women uh, that communication gift a little bit more than men sometimes. They say that a woman on an average day can use 20,000 or more words. A guy will use half that. And some of us, even half of that. Okay? So, for some people, it's a direct result of the culture that they live in. They live in a culture where there isn't a whole lot of communication. And in fact, sharing your deepest feelings and emotions is frowned upon. Or it might be on your family. You might have a family culture or a family history where uh, that, those kinds of things, you know, we don't talk about certain things. We don't talk about subjects like that. Or mom and dad are never seen having an intimate conversation in the family. And so the children don't know that that even exists. And so you may, these factors may have been working here. So there's a great tool for you and to give you some hope. And when I saw this, I was so delighted because this, I have one of these actually already that I use a lot. It's, a, it's on page 32. Go ahead and look at it really quick. This is a chart on helping you express your feelings and emotions. And uh, I hope you'll refer to that. You might need to use this tonight because we're going to give you an opportunity to have some communication and express your feelings. So uh, dog ear that page or you know, mark it or something so that you can refer back to that because that's a great little tool that'll help you. Sometimes, you know, ladies, I know this, it's hard for you to, to imagine, but sometimes we just can't think of the right words. And when we want to express, when it comes to, to giving you stats on our favorite team, we have the words. They're there. And telling you how we feel, we go blank. Okay? So this page is really helpful. Um, use that in your communication. Some people uh, uh, face various barriers. They're on page 23. Take a look at those on page 23 in your workbook. This is a diagram of barriers. Things like, uh, I just don't want to disturb the peace. If I say something to her, she's going to freak out. Uh, oh, so I don't want to say anything. Or it's just so complicated, he's not going to understand a word. of. I'm just, I, I'll share it with my girlfriend because he's not going to understand. It's too complicated. And so the marriage course is designed to be a safe place for you to experiment with this, to try some things. And so today we're going to give you an opportunity to share your feelings. And I want you to do your best tonight. Practice sharing your feelings as you discuss with your husband or your wife. 
Some people find it hard to express their feelings, and not just their feelings, but even recognizing that they have feelings. Because they'll say, well, I feel nothing. They don't even, they're not able to be in touch with their own emotions. And that's so important in a, in a relationship because that's the golden part. That's the good stuff, is being able to sh- deep share how you feel. So, if you're afraid that it can never change, that you can't change, or that other person can't change, I want to give you hope tonight that it change is possible. It worked for us. We overcame it. I overcame it. You can overcome it. It takes work. But if you really want to get good at this, you can. I think it is not too difficult to learn. Anybody can learn how to do this. So I know from experience, if you want to learn this, you can. If, you str- if you're married to somebody who struggles in their ability to verbalize their feelings, then it's going to be important for you to be supportive tonight. So don't uh, make it hard on them. Don't make it uncomfortable for them. And, and be encouraging, encouraging them to be, be vulnerable and share their feelings. Don't shut them down. Um, be sure they don't get angry or reject them at what they reveal tonight. And also, one more good tip also is, is probably good for tonight is, is uh, you probably shouldn't, when we have our discussions tonight, bring up that one thing you've been waiting to share for 10 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it may not go so well. So let's pick something a little easier tonight and let's do baby steps. How about that, okay? So... Um, the fact that you are wanted for murder in Alabama it shouldn't come up tonight, okay? Let's share that one for tomorrow. Um, so you can help by asking encouraging questions and encourage them, asking questions, encouraging them to share their feelings. So uh, let's uh, take another uh, exercise. Two phrases you need to remember. These are great. We use these all, every day. Every day, Joy and I use these. We've memorized them. We use them a lot. They really help. If you want a tool to help the person express their emotions, this is one of them. It's the phrase, tell me how that makes you feel. If that's not a yes or no answer, they have to think about it. They have to express it. Yeah, use page 32 if you have to. Um... How does that make you feel? What are you feeling right now? Those are great questions. So, exercise on page 23. Go ahead and read the instructions and uh, start the exercise. How are you doing on that? You need a little bit more time. One thing that Joy and I did when we did this exercise is, um, I, I don't know if you can see this from there, but I circled on my book the ones, the barriers that I most commonly face. Then I handed my book to her, and she circled on my book hers with a different color, and then we passed back and forth so each of us have in our book so we can look at and see what mine are and what hers are. And It was interesting on ours, on one of them, they overlapped, so we both had the same barrier. So it basically, it means when that happens to us, we're on the verge of divorce. So, I mean, not really, but... It's a bad day when we both face the same barrier. So uh, just an, another minute or two while you have your pie and finish this up.
Alrighty, here we go. For effective communication, talking is vital, but so is listening. And often I think we just take listening for granted. If we don't listen to our husband or wife, they may shut down. They'll probably stop talking to us about their thoughts and their feelings. Now, we've discovered that listening is one of the most important skills to learn for a strong marriage. Here's a great quote from the Bible. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The amazing thing about marriage is that we have it in our power to make our husband or wife feel loved and valued just by listening to them. But often it's the people we're closest to that we find it the hardest to listen to. Actually, there's no one who's more important to listen to than our husband or our wife. Now, I'd like you to turn to page 24, and we are going to get ready to do exercise two, which is the power of listening. So I want you to look at exercise two. We're going to give you two minutes to discuss this with your spouse. Begin. When Joy and I did this exercise and uh, asked her how she felt when she was listened to by me especially, she said that she felt loved and valued. But my answer was very different. I didn't feel loved when she listened to me. I felt respected. And I don't know, maybe that's because I'm a guy. But um, when we're not listened to or when we think that we're not being listened to, we get very frustrated, um, feel like we're being taken for granted, unloved, unsupported, and even rejected. Some people can have a very strong emotion to not being listened to. The workbook has an illustration on page 25 that illustrates filters, filters that can hinder our communication. Joy and I like to call it our stuff. And your stuff is just uh, your thoughts and feelings that you have acquired throughout your lifetime that you carry in your heart, your opinions and your attitudes. It's this summation of who you are as a person. But these act like filters, filters on our ears that cause all of the communication to be filtered through those life experiences. And so if you've had some really bad ones, like I had when we got married, I grew up in a home where um, I did not feel loved by my father especially. And so we'd have conversations And I didn't hear Joy talking to me, although she was talking to me. What I really heard because of the filter was my father. And when I was a kid, I had to sit there and take it. But now I'm a man. I don't have to take it. So I would unleash hell on her because she came across that filter as my father. And so I had to realize that I had these filters, first of all, and what they were doing to our marriage and our communication. It wasn't her. She, you know, she asked me what's wrong with my shoes. She didn't say, I think you're a filthy pig. And so the filter does that to you. And you hear it wrong. Or you hear it with a, a mixed intensity. And so uh, filters are very important. Another filter is attitudes. Now, if I say the word mother-in-law, it's going to provoke a different response from all of us. For me, it's completely different than if John says mother-in-law. <laughs> it makes you smile. It makes me cringe. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. She hates hers. 
No, I don't okay. hate her. I'm, I love her with the love of Christ. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for some of us, it's going to be a pleasant association. For others, it's not so much. Now, our attitude on a whole range of issues can stop us listening properly to what the other person is saying. Now, another filter could be prejudice. We don't, very often, we don't recognize that we have them or that they're affecting the way that we listen to people. We may have a prejudice about gender. So, if a wife starts talking about sports, some husbands think that as a woman, she doesn't know what she's talking about, and they switch off. Now, we may have other prejudices if we grow up in a very different culture, or we may be strongly influenced by our parents' particular way of doing things. Prejudices prevent us from listening and opening our hearts to our partner. Our physical environment can also act as another filter. Our surroundings can distract us from listening properly. The other day, Joy was telling me about our schedules, and it's always at nighttime, and it's tomorrow. We've got this, and this son has this, and this son has. She was going through all the schedules for the day, but I was already focused on something else very important, uh, which happened to be football. And so um, she finished her whole conversation, and then I looked at her, and I could not think of a single thing that she had just said to me. And so I said, honey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of this. Could we have that conversation again in 15 minutes? I'll get back with you because uh, I didn't, I don't, I'm not getting any of that. And finally, <laughs> not being interested in what the other person is saying will act as a filter. And that be- can become a real issue between a husband and wife if we're involved in different activities or jobs during the day. It takes generosity to listen and be interested in each other's world. But deciding to show interest will positively affect the way we listen. All those filters that we've mentioned create interference. It's not, it's like not finding the exact frequency of a radio station. You can sort of hear the voice in the background, but there's a lot of noise and crackle. If we're not aware of the filters, we can be having a conversation with our husband or wife and fail to hear what they are actually saying. Because of that, separate conversations going on in our mind. Now, effective communication involves recognizing and being able to put aside those filters. Can you tell that Joy's a kindergarten teacher? (laughs) Um, I'm not making you crisscross applesauce and twiddle those thumbs, at least. Uh, uh, The second thing that can be a barrier to great communication is just flat-out bad habits and lazy communication. You can pick those up throughout life. We're just going to point out five bad habits tonight, and hopefully... You don't have any of these, but if you do, take heart. When we did the exercise, we had some of them. So uh, it's worth recognizing that most of us fall into at least one of these categories, and some of us have more. So here's an example. We're talking to our husband and wife about something difficult, and he he says back to you, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine, and I'll just forget about it. It's okay, it'll take care of itself. 
What he's really saying is, I really don't want to listen to that right now. You're bothering me. I have something else to do, right? It's called the reassurer. It's the person who gives the pat answer. If you're a Christian, it's, uh, they quote a Bible verse, so you'll go away and be done with that. Um, the reassuring person wants everything to always be good and cheerful and wonderful and happy, and they don't like it when things are uncomfortable. And so because of that, they rarely allow their partner to express their feelings and their deep emotions and even their negative feelings, which is so important. So the reassuring person, that's a bad habit. Another bad habit is giving advice. And this was a big one for me. Um, An advice giver always wants to give a solution to the problem. But the trouble with that is that the person a lot of times doesn't want an answer to the problem. They just want to be able to express their feelings and their emotions. And so they don't want to listen to all your answers and they don't want to be fixed by you. Early on in our marriage, Joy would say to me, Uh, You're not my pastor. I have a pastor. I want you to be my husband. And what she was saying to me, and and it was so easy for me, all day long I'm fixing other people's problems. Go home and fix hers. Slick. We'll be done with this in five minutes. I can move on with my night. And that was hurtful to her. She didn't want to be fixed by me. So uh, it's easy for us to slip into uh, into that and, and do another one is intellectualizing. And that's when... The listener always tries to find a, an explanation and a reason why you're hurting, why you're suffering. And so they'll give their explanation. Um, I'll tell you what that is. Um, so she says something like this. She says, I'm worried about my mother. I'm worried about my mom. She's not getting sleep. She's forgetting things. I'm really concerned. So then he goes on this big, long lecture. As, oh, I know exactly what that is. I read about it the other day. She's got that, da, 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 da. And then at the end of the conversation, he goes to the internet and downloads all the necessary information that you need, hands it to you, and says that solves your problem. Another bad habit, the fourth one, is tangent. And uh, that's just a great way of saying really selfish person uh, You may know somebody like this. You're telling them something about your day, something that happened to you. But before you can get the whole story out, they jump in and they say, oh, that's exactly what happened to me last week. And they go into their own story about what is happening in their life. Or they'll say this, oh, wait, 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 that reminds me of something that happened to me. And then they go on and tell their story and talk about themselves. So they always have their own agenda and you never get a chance to get a single word into the conversation so if you even pause for a second or take a breath you've lost control of that conversation they take it over and they just go on and on and on you're left out of it so these five habits bad habits they prevent us from saying what we feel what we think And if that goes on in a relationship for a long period of time, it shuts the communication down and the two people drift far apart. You know what's interesting about these? This will be true in a friendship or even a relationship with a co-worker just as much as it will in a marriage relationship. These bad habits end communication. And so it's worth asking ourselves tonight, 
Great question. Do I have any of these bad habits? So take a look at the exercise on page 26. Follow the instructions there, and we'll give you a few minutes to tackle this one. And I have to go back just a moment because John forgot one of the five things that can hijack a conversation, and that is the interrupter. And that is a really biggie. And so hopefully you saw that. It was listed in the book, but that can be a big one. I am a big interrupter. And when John is sharing a story, because I'm so detail-oriented, when he shares, I want to hear all the details right now. So he'll be talking about, oh, we know lots of different gyms, a lot of them. And I'll say, oh, is it this gym? Oh, is it this gym? And he'll say, would you just wait until I finish the story? And so I am working on not interrupting. Like that, that commercial about the cheese that interrupts, you know, have you seen that? <laughs> All righty. So I hope that wasn't too much of a shock for you. Um, but someone who went through this course said this about that exercise. I thought when we went through that list that I was a reassurer and an advice giver. Now I realize that I am a serial interrupter. So sometimes these habits have gotten to the stage where we don't even realize we have them. And it's only when we recognize our bad habits that we can start to change them. Now we can all learn the art of effective listening, but it does take time, effort, and practice. And the best training ground is marriage itself. So I want you to turn to page 26. Exercise four is called a significant memory. We're going to have you follow the instructions for exercise four on page 26. Try to express your feelings in this exercise. We're going to give you five minutes. Begin. All right. In a moment, Joy and I are going to make an attempt to model for you effective communication and listening. And so Joy's going to tell me about something that she's concerned about. And I have no idea what it is. It's completely unscripted. So I'll either look like I know what I'm doing or a fool. We'll find out. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a look at five steps for effective communication and listening. Uh, These steps are the ones that I'll be trying to use. So you can follow along in your manual, your workbook on page 27 as we go through these. The first one is to pay attention and not interrupt. Usually what people do is when somebody's talking to them, they're thinking about what? Something else. Or thinking about what they're going to say next. They're planning their sentences, not really listening to what the person is saying. Especially if you're talking with someone who talks really slowly with long pauses as they think think about what to say, and you're a really fast communicator, you can say a lot of words really fast, you think fast, you can do multiple things at once, and it's really easy for you to communicate fast, and you can't stand waiting for them to hurry up and spit it out, which is what happened to me when I went into um, the South during college. Wow, that was infuriating. Uh, So pay attention and don't interrupt. Research shows that the individual 
use, listens for approximately 17 seconds before they can't stand it anymore and they have to jump in and say something. And our body language is really important. Uh, and this one's hard for me sometimes. I'll be talking with Joy and I'll be looking or doing it something else and she'll say to me, I need you to look at me. Turn completely around face me and look me in the eye because body language says you're paying attention, all right? So look at their face, show them that you're listening. Even if they look away while they're talking, you stay focused on them. Don't do something else at the same time. That's terrible and it's so easy to fall into that trap as a couple, especially if you're going through life at Mach 10. So you have your conversations in the car. So Hopefully one person's watching the road or you have your conversations while cooking dinner or doing work together or this or that. That's not good communication. So it becomes really important when there's anger, when there's a problem, when there's a a painful discussion. Showing that you're listening um, can really go a long way to uh, working that out. The second one, the second step is to try to put yourself in their shoes. Try and feel what they're feeling, okay? Uh, the person may be struggling to express themselves. They may not be used to doing this, and so it's hard for them to express their feelings as they talk. So don't rush them. Um, don't be afraid to allow it to be quiet for a while and let them think and uh, ask good questions that help them think and share their feelings. The third step is to acknowledge their feelings. When you've listened to what your husband or wife wants to say, reflect back to them what they've said. That is, say back to them the main points of what you've heard, especially any feelings that they've expressed. So it would be like, I hear you saying that you feel this way. It's, we call that mirroring. At this stage, you're not agreeing or disagreeing or giving your own opinion. That's going to come later. Reflecting back like this helps us to find out if, we, if we've really understood what our partner has told us. And it's, this is so important because when Don and I have done this um, and when we mirror back to each other, oftentimes we have not heard correctly. And I'll say, oh, you're feeling this way because of da-da-da. And he'll say, No. <laughs> No, that's not it. So then he'll explain it again in another way. And then I'm like, oh, that's what you're saying. So it's really an important step to do. Um, It helps them to know if they've been understood. It will probably feel awkward or contrived at first because we want to say what we think. We want to give our side of the story. But it makes a big difference, and it's very powerful in marriage. Now, our husband or wife feels they're not alone. We've entered their world and are showing that we care. The fourth step is to ask our partner, what is the most important part of what you've been saying? This helps them to focus. Wait quietly while they think about what they want to say, and when they've spoken, reflect back again what you've heard. People often talk about an issue that's re- that really matters to them, and asking the right questions enables deep conversation. The fifth step is to help them work out what they might do. Now, rather than giving advice or telling our husband or wife what we think they should do, 
It's a hundred times more powerful if we help them work out for themselves how to solve the issue, draw out their ideas of what they'd like to do about the situation. Now, it may, may be that we don't need to do anything. Talking it out sometimes is enough. And finally, ask, is there anything more you'd like to say? Don't assume you know everything. Give your partner time and space to talk. One little tip that might be helpful to you is when the conversation um, is too hot for you. And uh, you, you don't want to talk anymore. You don't want to be around them anymore. You need to cool off or they need to cool off. It's very negative to just walk away or to just leave the room or leave the house or take off. That communicates all negative. So what's better is to say, I need some time. I need a time out. And, and then give a specific amount of time. Because if you say, I need some time, and you come back in a month, that's not good enough, okay? So you need to say, I need some time. Can we come back to this at 8 p.m. tonight? Or can we come back to this in an hour? Can we sit down again uh, when we're both a little bit cooled off, maybe at uh, 3.30, something like that? Um, those things, those little cues are really important. So in a few minutes, we're going to ask you to practice those five steps. But first, we're going to give you an example of what effective listening looks like and sounds like. And uh, to remind us of those issues uh, that are being discussed, uh, the person who is sharing needs to hold something. And so in this case, uh, and you know, once you get good at this, you don't need to do that part. But uh, for beginners, it's a great tool to help you out. So... Uh, she's holding the napkin. That means that she is the one talking. She is in charge. She's holding the floor. I'm listening. And so that I immediately know I'm in the listening role when she's holding that. And if that changes, you can switch who's holding it. And uh, so um, let's t- tell me about your day. Okay. Well, one of the things that I'm, I'm wrestling with and that I'm struggling with is on Monday... I have my first formal observation by the principal. And when I have it, she's coming in during my reading group. And the portion of my reading group that she's coming in is when I have my small groups. And the group that she'll be observing is my one that I have my two serious behavior issue kids. And so it stresses me out that I'm going to be observed for my fall observation and I don't know and I really can't plan what these kids might do because they're so um, temperamental and it's like walking um, a little bit on eggshells because you don't know what the triggers are. Anything could set them off. And Lacey could start screaming and hitting people, crawling under tables. And so, um, so I'm concerned about that and making sure that Um, that goes well and then I'm thinking about oh my goodness the weekend's coming and this is Monday morning and I've got a boatload of work to do and I'm like now I've got another weekend that I'm going to spend working because every weekend since school started I've gone in on either Saturday or Sunday to work and then next weekend I have a conference that I have to go to on Saturday 
You probably don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's the the Spanish one, so I can learn how to communicate in Spanish to my students. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. And so I'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed, and I feel like I have um, so much to do, and the laundry pile in our bedroom is growing, (laughs) and thank you for washing it, and I haven't folded it yet. And so I just feel like I have all these things to do, and and it's... um, it's very overwhelming to me. Wow, honey, and that sounds like a lot of stress. What is that? How's that stress? How's that working on you? How's it make you feel? Anxious. And I feel like when I get home at night, I don't want to do anything. But I just want to sit and read a book and eat a bag of Doritos <laughs> like I did last night. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't blame you, babe. I, I feel that same way, too. Uh, that sounds like a lot of stress and pressure. You've got to um, try and figure out a way to help these kids, and, and they have all these other issues going along with them, and, and some of that is out of your control. And, and yet you're being held accountable for that and responsible, and you have to get those kids to pass and meet those benchmarks, and, and yet... Um, You've got all these other things you're juggling. You've got this thing on Saturday that I don't know about. And um, you've got the laundry in our bedroom that's they're waiting and all the stresses <laughs> at home. And that's just a huge pile of stress. And I, yeah. I, I hear that's what you're saying. Is that, is that what you're saying, what you're telling me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel overwhelmed. What do you think you can do to, to be able to work some of that out and take some of that off your plate? Because, you know, you can't eat an elephant in one bite, you know? It, you eat elephant with one bite at a time. Is there, is there something that you can do to help with your, bring your stress down? And... Can I quit my job? <laughs> sure. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> every, every person here will need to donate another $1,000. <laughs> can you do that, please? Oh. No, we still have to go to the dentist, <laughs> the doctor, and I work for food. What's the one thing that's, that's most important to you on this whole uh, story? What's the one thing that's just really important? I want to do well on my evaluation. I mean, that's important to me. You know, doing the best you can, which is I know what you do, that, that's all anybody could ever ask from you, you know? You give your heart and soul, and at the end of the day, you got to be happy with that, you know? And I think all those other things, they'll just take care of themselves. Okay. Okay. Love you. I love you, too. Okay, we had just a little conversation there, and so now it's your turn, okay? So, page 29, and... uh, the way this is going to work is each of you will take a turn. Now, we just did one. We did Joy's story. I didn't share a story, but you're going to both share a story. Uh, and I said earlier in the evening, you should probably be careful what you pick. So let's don't dig up your um, prior arrest history. Um, pick something easy and then uh, talk about it and try and follow those concepts of listening and reflecting back. Ready? Go. Okay, there's a chance that you didn't get a, an opportunity to finish, and we realize that. 
and you will have many more opportunities later. So we need to move on just for the sake of time. Some of you may have found that uh, challenging or difficult, especially to articulate how you felt. And I forgot to remind you of page 32, but um, you might want to either photocopy that and make a page of that or something, have it handy at home so you can use that. But in order to have good communication, you've got to be open. And uh, I hope you know the difference between an open and a closed person. You know, a closed person is somebody who never shares anything about their life. You probably work with them for the last 10 years and you don't know them. Reminds me of the movie Open Range. That's one of my favorite movies. It's with Kevin Costner and um, Robert, De Niro, or Robert Duvall. Um, Joy hates it that I watched that movie. But... Um, because I've seen it a few times. A, a, a few times. Anyway, I love that movie. And a great Western love story. But there's a scene there where um, uh, Duvall shares a story about how he was married and his wife uh, died of typhus as well as his child. And he's sharing the story. And then Kevin Costner is sitting there just completely stunned. And he says to the, to the gal there... Um, I've been riding with him for a decade, and I never knew that. And so you're closed if you don't open up and share those feelings ever. That's a closed person. And you've got to be open. You've got to be open to have good communication. Open that up. And let me tell you, it's scary sometimes because you feel very vulnerable, and you may feel afraid, and there's some things in there you want to protect. But you've got to take that risk and you've got to be committed to working through this process to learn how to communicate. Because I'll tell you, if you don't learn those three things, those three skills, if you don't learn those, you will drift apart. And so it might work for a while. The kids keep you together or this or that keeps you together. But eventually those things won't work anymore and you'll find yourself looking at a divorce. So I can't say, I mean, we could spend another hour tonight really talking about communication. Um, one thing we didn't mention is we use little signals and little, little phrases and words with each other that mean certain things because we have kids in the house. And so we've developed our own little signals so that she knows what I want and how I feel on certain things. And those are important. You should develop your own um, cues and signals that you can use in communication. So there's an exercise in your homework, and I highly recommend you take some time this week to do it. It's called How Good Is Your Communication? And it's going to be a little quiz and test you on the communication in your relationship. So I encourage you to do that. Um, you can identify areas that you're really good at and those that you're not so good at, and you can talk about how to avoid some of those bad ones. Remember the trick of holding the napkin? You can hold a pen or what have you, something in the kitchen. Don't hold a knife or something threatening. But um, find something to hold and share and take turns passing it back. Who has the floor? It's a great tool to remember. And um, you may be here tonight. And you may be in a place where you're saying to yourself inside, we don't know how to communicate very well. 
and we need to relearn or learn how to communicate. And I want to encourage you tonight. You know, Joy and I, we were a day away from calling her quits. And so we know how that feels. We know the frustration of not being able to communicate. But we learned it. And if we can learn it, anybody can learn it. Okay? You can learn this. But it's going to take being devoted to it. It's going to take some work. But you can do it. So be encouraged tonight that uh, these things can get better. And uh, one thing that's going to help with that is quality time. Your date night, time together. Make sure that you um, do that on a regular basis. Schedule it. Doesn't happen automatic. Put it in your phone. Set the reminders. And then it'll be a reality. All right, before we close tonight in prayer, just a reminder, if you do want to take one of the flowers, you can. However, the vases must stay. So you have to take the flower out because otherwise we will have no vases for next week. So you are more than welcome to do that. All righty, thank you for coming. Let's close in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we can take the time just to be together with our spouse and learn from each other and learn how to communicate. Lord, as we go on our ways this week, Father, I ask that each of these couples, Lord, would choose to take the time this week to listen to their spouse, to put into practice effective listening skills, and Lord, help them to be able to communicate with each other and to be able to articulate how they're feeling and to be receptive of those emotions and feelings. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time tonight, and I ask for your blessing on these people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a good night. Thanks for coming.